This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts Podcast with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today. In 2007, this man may have been the secret weapon in settling the Broadway theater strike. Welcome reporter and host of the show on stage, New York One's Frank DeLella. A-OK. A-OK. Welcome. I'm so excited to have the tables turn. I am just going to introduce my listeners to the history of Frank DeLella as I know it. So while in college, Frank DeLella started working at New York One, and now he's the producer and reporter for the weekly program On Stage. You have interviewed everyone from Liza Minnelli Mm -hmm. to Lady Gaga, from Hugh Jackman to James Earl Jones. Right. Quite a wide range of personalities. And for your monthly cable show, On Stage Across America, you travel the globe, shining a spotlight on theater productions basically all over the world. Alana, I'm going to hire you as my publicist. I am your publicist. Most recently, you created your own theater talk show called Showbiz After Hours at the infamous New York City nightclub Birdland. Mm -hmm. Infamous. Infamous. (laughs) So in this interview, listeners, we're going to find out how a young boy obsessed with reenacting Broadway musicals and goes from fan to trusted friend and confidant of Broadway stars and really an essential part of every Broadway opening night red carpet experience. I like to think of it this way. What Barbara Walters is to the Academy Awards, Frank DeLella has become to the Great White Way. It is my understanding from your younger brother, Chris, (laughs) that basically he could blackmail you and get you to do anything he wanted you to do just by threatening not to perform in a show with you in your living room. Is that correct? That's so true. Right? I have a memory that your first email address was actor rent. Is that right? You'd be right. <laughs> that lets You'd us know a little right. bit of what a fan you were, particularly of Rent and yes. Adina Menzel and the show that you probably came of age. Yes. Well, I have to say, it all comes down to my mom and my grandmother. Both of them loved, 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 or my, my grandmother loved the theater. My mom still loves the theater. When I was four years old, I remember going over to my grandmother's house, who is now has passed. She passed when I was eight years old. 
and I would go over to her house. She could play any song by ear on her baby grand piano in her living room. Wow. And she was known to hold these fabulous salons in her house. And I remember uh, very early on, I, I loved spending time with her. And she would she would have me come over to her house and we would open her piano bench and I would find, you know, a chorus line. And her favorite shows were a chorus line in La Cajo Falls. She loved Jerry Herman. Hello, Dolly. So that was that. So that's Do you remember your first Broadway show? When I was four years old, my mom took me to see Cats, the national tour in Philadelphia. Okay. And uh, so, so again, there are two parts, my grandmother and my mother. So Jellicle Cats, Jellicle. come on from all. Jellicle, come to the Jellicle Alana, there's a revival. There's a revival coming back, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah. I knew I was on sacred ground being in a theater. So you wanted to go up the aisle in like a cat suit and like oh yeah. oh I walked away. My mom bought me the cassette tape, All of it, the, program. the poster, the program. <laughs> I mean, I was I think I was a cat that year for Halloween. I hope so. I was a cat the next year for Halloween. So I, I blame my mom. I right. blame my mom, and and I also bow down to my mom for introducing me to this world, which I love. Our time just spending with our mom, my brother and I. Uh, would spend time with her mom uh, because she'd be on the road all the time. It would be going to the theater on the weekends. And we would get the New York Times every Saturday. And I'd go through the New York Times, seeing what was playing on Broadway. She would give me my credit, her credit card. And I would just <laughs> would call up and it up. <laughs> order the tickets. This is Mr. Frank DeLola. Well, yes. I, well, my voice hadn't changed at the okay. time, so I'd pretend I was my mother. Let me hear Hi, this is Pat Delella, and I'd like to order two tickets for uh, Donna Murphy and the King and I. Can you help me with that? Good choice. Good choice, right? Yes. I remember going to see Will Rogers Follies and getting like the lasso, the rope that they used that they oh sold in the merchandise oh um, counter and the, the cowboy hats. And we would do these shows in our living room. So let me ask you this, because while you were doing shows in your living room, there might have been other boys on your block playing football in the backyard. Yeah, that was a thing. And I remember, you know, especially in grade school, being picked on saying, you know, Frank, what do you listen to on your Walkman? Uh-huh. And I would, you know, I would say, oh, uh, you know, Nirvana's cool. Or like, you know, just, which, which I love Nirvana. Right. I love Kirk Cobain. Right. Right. Um, but but that wasn't what but, you but were listening to. But that's not what I, well, maybe a song or two. At some point, it seems to me, based on your passion, that perhaps you would have pursued this as a career as an actor. Yeah. Coming to New York, seeing all the amazingly talented people around me, especially in acting class, I knew, you know, like, yeah, I, I grew up dancing, singing, performing on the stage, but... If I was going to make a living in this, right. I had to I had to do something else. And I think the moment that all changed was when I was kind of toying with the fact of switching my major to media studies and co- with a concentration in journalism. At the thinking end of, you might be a reporter, right? Even as early I, as that, because I always I was always intrigued by reporters on TV. You know, growing up, my favorite TV show was Dateline NBC, yeah. and you know, twenty twenty. You mentioned Barbara Walters earlier. Yeah, I mean, just these these greats of the the broadcast media world. The turning point, and I'll just get to this quickly. Yeah. you know, I was up for a callback for the role of Claude in Hair at the Gallery Players. I had been doing a lot of stuff outside of school. Okay, um, you know, because musical theater was my passion, and. You know, it, I just I, I love doing musical theater. Fordham is known for its straight right. theater right. Or, or, or 
you know, strong play program, right. but it's not, you know, a musical theater school like a Michigan or a CCM or Boston Conservatory. So I was up for this, uh, for a callback in hair at the Gallery of Players for Claude. And at the same time I got, um, I put in a request to uh, set up a meeting in regards to an internship with New York One. That you'd heard about it. Do I you never... remember what you sang for hair? Oh, what did I sing? I probably sang. Manchester. Yeah, no, I had to yeah. do that. Yeah. Or, or uh, or I got life. I'm not saying I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to sing it. So uh, we'll just skip that part. But okay. anyway, I didn't get Claude. Right, because you're I, not a singer. I'm not a singer, <laughs> and I got the internship. What moves me about your story is when I think about you in your living room, growing up with such great passion for theater. Luckily, geographically, having a mom who who brought you to New York City because. Philly was close enough right, to get there to right. see Broadway shows, although national tours have become such a huge thing in our yeah, country now yeah. that people, little boys and girls who live on the outskirts of big cities can also get to see, see Broadway, yeah. Fun Home yeah. in, in just a few short months from now, which yeah. was not how it was always. No. Um, but the idea that you are now bringing into the homes via cable this education and entree into the world of theater, straight theater and musical theater, and interviewing all these people who are so impactful for young people, mm. and that kids like you now get to watch something like that, you know, on the weekends is kind of um, – we had theater talk when yeah. I was growing up, like on PBS. Yeah. PBS was really the only place that you could hear like an in-depth interview with Stiller and Mira. Right. Like no right. one was interested in anyone who wasn't a movie star or a TV star. Right. Or like the or like the Sondheim shows. And when you were growing up, and this might be true, people would – it's not legal, but people when video – recorders became slightly portable yeah. they, before phones. Right. They literally have like their their video recorder and they would do these bootleg tapes yeah. of Broadway yeah. shows. And a lot of the first shows I saw were, you know, friends of friends would have these like really hard... On and VHS. You could, yes, yeah. and you would see when an usher came because suddenly the camera would go yeah. under their seat and yeah. then back up. Yeah. But now, you know, there are a lot of kids and and adults who want to see Hamilton and yeah. they can't get in. And what they're finding is it's not as great as seeing, you know, theater is really problematic. It just doesn't resonate um, on film, film the way it's just not built for that. It's true. So is it the same as seeing Hamilton on Broadway? No. Can you, if you're listening nonstop to the Hamilton soundtrack, actually watch a kind of fuzzy version of it on YouTube? You can. Yeah. And yeah, it's free. It's all there. It's, it's, all, free. it's free. I think what's been really remarkable in your journey of fan to performer to host covering the theater is that you've been invited to perform and do segments on your show as someone on the Broadway stage with different shows. Like you did, you were a Kit Kat boy in the Kit Kat Club in Cabaret, right? And yeah. then recently when you talked about like the Andrew Lloyd Webber shows being really seminal for yeah. you, that you got to perform on Broadway in Les Mis <laughs> yeah. for like a backstage, like how crazy yeah. that you have created for yourself. Do you know what, Frank? You are in a Broadway musical yeah, and you don't have to go through any of the uh, stress <laughs> the audition and, process. and rejection. You're like, would you like me to cover your show on my show? Let me be in it. Let like, me be. It's almost payola. It's crazy. Do you know what payola is? Yes, Happy. I know what payola is. <laughs> You're doing I'm the same thing. Ah. Do you want Les Mis on, on stage? <laughs> All right. I'd like to be. I'd uh, like to be in it. <laughs> no. I like Epinia a lot. <laughs> um, 
That's so wild that that's happened for you. It's crazy. And so when you're on Broadway, on a Broadway stage, fully costumed fully as costumed. a revolutionary in Les Mis, one of the first shows you saw, yeah. a soundtrack you could do. I know the whole. You could do I a drunk score. backwards, exactly. perfectly. You could be unconscious, and they could be like, "Wait, I just have to sing one more." I dream the um, dream. Right. <laughs> what was that like for you? Oh my gosh! It so was, crazy. It was. It was so cool. I know what we'll do. We're gonna have this backstage thing for our viewers, and I'm gonna get to and be I'm in it. I'm gonna be in it, and hey, you I'm the can producer. watch. Let me pitch it to me. <laughs> yes, I am. So, you know, we went back and forth and the Lamas folks, they, they were so gracious and they're like, well, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. And I was right. like, oh, OK, that's a, lot. that's a lot. Yeah. So, you know, I went, I had my costume fitting. They're like, we have you in five scenes. I was like, five scenes. Whoa. Um, and then you're like, can you take it in a little yeah, bit? Take it it's, in I a think little. This, this character's a little slimmer. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little slimmer. <laughs> so they talked me through. Right. Were you I, nervous when you I had to go so on? I was so nervous. Terrified. Um, I was probably in the show for about 30 minutes. Right. You know, I, yeah, it was a lot. Uh, by the way, that's more than almost anyone on the planet yeah. has been on Broadway in Les Mis. Yeah. Just by the way. So literally everyone is clamoring to be interviewed by you. Tell me about your first one. You got to keep like crazy fan Frank in check. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm a professional interviewer right now. We're inside. <laughs> you're going, oh my God, it's Liza. Like, right? Like, it's how so true. She was one of the first ones. Uh, right. So in 2005, I showed up with a shooter and we were doing interviews. So Adina Menzel, I've admired for so long. I remember- would you say admire or would you use the phrase stalked? I have a crush on Adina Menzel. There, I said it. Fine. Um, and my father would be very proud. Yes. Uh, relieved. <laughs> relieved. Maybe relieved. Relieved. Oh, see? See? I mean, he has a crush on Adina Menzel. It's fine. It's all fine. It's all good. <laughs> um, so so that, so that I interviewed her and I, you know, I just, you know, oh my God, just thinking to myself when I was interviewing her from the original production of Rent, which I saw in 96 and just kind of blew my mind. Actor Rent. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. And then they put me in a room. They literally locked me in a room with Liza Minnelli and Ben Vereen. And threw in steak. And, and threw, threw in steak. Threw in steak and a bottle of water. Yeah. Uh, with with this camera person. And I remember they, they closed the door, locked it, and said, okay, interview them. It was intermission of the benefit. And I, I was like, okay. So so obviously nerves were, were, were taking control of me. And I, I was super, super nervous. But I remember um, Ben just saying, yeah, you know, we're doing this for the people. We're doing this for the people. And the only thing I can remember from that interview is Liza and God bless her because she really is truly a magnificent woman. She kept saying, but honey, the kitty cats, the kitty cats, honey, the kitty cats. Ben, yeah, the people, but the kitty cats in New Orleans, the kitty cats. And she kept saying the kitty cats. Right. And I was like, what? Like, oh my mean? gosh. She like, loves animals. She loves she the animals. She was worried about the kitty cats. And then she said to me, when is this interview going to air? And I said, oh, it's going to air tonight when we get back to the station. And she said, Frank, write something down. And I said, what do you want me to write down, Liza? And she said, write down my address. And I said, why, Liza? She goes, because you're going to drop this interview off. You're going to make a tape for me. You're going to drop it off to me at my house. On Monday. And I think it was a Sunday. And I was like, are you kidding me? So the boy, so going back to my brother, who yeah. I know you pre-interviewed for yes. this, or, yes. or you, you screened to, to get some fun facts out yes. of him on me. Um, Chris and I had an obsession with Liza Minnelli growing up as well. We could probably perform the entire Liza Live at Radio City for you if you wanted. Okay. My brother would be 
all the demon divas, which were Liza's backup girls, and I would be Liza, of course. For my uh, birthday, do you think you guys would do that? Absolutely. Okay. Get us a stage. Done. And we're on. And we're on. Um, <laughs> so, the kitty cats. With the kitty cats. <laughs> we'll bring the cat. We'll bring the cast of cats. It's oh full circle, God. Alana. Oh you can God. sing memory. It is a big birthday. That would be awesome. Done. So, 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 this, so now you're, you're. I have her address. I'm shaking. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Um, the next day I, I skipped class because I was still in school and I, I remember walking. I was like, I'm not taking the subway. I'm not taking no, a cab. Have this I am walking to her apartment. Right. And I walked to her apartment on the east side, went in, say, hi, I'm here from, for Miss Liza Minnelli. Miss <laughs> Liza Minnelli. And in case there's any, in confusion. case any, any confusion. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Judy's mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Judy, uh, Judy, Judy's daughter. Judy's daughter. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, see, I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, and she wasn't home. She wasn't home. Mm-hmm. So. So you had two choices that day. You could have gotten back on a bus to yeah. Philadelphia, or you could say, God damn it. Yeah. I'm going to stay in this game. I'm going to stay in this the game. The sun shall rise And again. I did. Yeah. And, then, and then kind of the, the, the other. Term. But that was the beginning. That was the beginning. At the end, end of the day, Alana, I am. I am a champion of Broadway. I celebrate Broadway. I love these people. These are my people. I right. get them. It's your religion. So it's my religion. Totally. So, so you know, I, I'm here to tell stories. I'm here to tell people about so these people. So when did you um, – okay, so do you have – obviously your first time as a newbie with Liza Minnelli and Ben Vereen, which is literally – I was joking about sort of, you know, the, the practice of the Coliseum of throwing men into the middle of this pit yeah. and like go for it. But there was like talk about trial by fire. Yeah. Like, okay, go ahead with two of the greatest theatrical icons on the planet. Yeah. So were there um, any mishaps or embarrassments or any funny stories you can share? Because um, that's an adorable ending and you got her – I mean, other than – she wasn't home, she which wasn't is very home. sad. And guess what? I'm still mad at her yeah. for not being Me home too. all these years later. But that's that's another that's another show. Um, often people come on my show and have very funny, in retrospect, uh, audition stories. Mm-hmm. Um, have there been mishaps along the way? I mean, recently I was on the red carpet with someone, and and the person interviewing them did a full on interview thinking they were somebody else completely you know like they thought it was Ray Fiennes but it was really you know Liam like something crazy so I'm sure that that, that's just that's very sad right that's stupid on the reporter's part really so that's an obvious obvious guffaw yeah but have so I don't think you've probably ever interviewed someone thinking they were somebody else but have you had I uh, I I have to tell my Elaine Stritch story and I have a bunch of them but okay the first time I ever interviewed her, and, and towards the end of her life, we became pals. You know, every time she came into the city, or she lived at the Carlisle, but then when eventually she moved out, she would come in, and whenever she was here, we would do something. She would always request that I interview her. Mm-hmm. But the very first time I interviewed her, it was right around the time that the strike had happened. I'm now full on, on the Broadway beat. I think this was 2008. She was in January or February. She was doing her... Elaine Stritch at Liberty Show mm-hmm. at the Carlisle, wow. where she ended up living for, right. or she lived for a while. And she, so I, it was the middle of the day, and I was supposed to go there at night, and I wasn't feeling all that great. And I was, you know, 
was to go interview Elaine Stritch. We needed the story. It was it had to happen. And as the day progressed, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I have the chills. This is not good. And I was like, you know what? Got to do it. It's a it's like, it's like it's like here's the ladies who lunch. The ladies who lunch. You. Yeah. I was like two weeks, three weeks into like you know. If you picture the video of that cast recording album, uh, what Elaine went through to get that song brilliant. right. You can pull yourself yeah, up by I your do, yeah, If Elaine can do it, so can That's I. Right. I'm gonna powder myself. Powder I'm myself gonna go. up. I'm gonna I'm do fine. it. Screw the chills. So, That's right. So I get to the Carlisle, and I was supposed to interview bef- her before, but she was getting, she was feeling nervous about our show. It was her first night doing it in front of an audience or at the Carlisle, and so they were like, "You're gonna have to wait until after the show." And I'm like, "Oh my god, you guys! Like, I'm not like, and and oh I, my god, you guys!" <laughs> to quote Legally Blonde, <laughs> "Oh my god, oh my god, you guys!" I have the chills, and Elaine Stritch isn't ready for me. For me, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. OMG. Oh my god, you guys. <laughs> um, and so I was like, "Crap, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to sit through the show, and I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm done. Like, I'm sick." So I go to the publicist. The show's about to start. I said, you know, Richard, I need to interview her at inter- – because there was it was two parts. I was like, I need to interview her at intermission. It, like, it has to happen, and then I have to leave. I'm not well, but I can't not go back to the station without this right. interview. He was like, okay. It's like, I don't know if she's going to do it. Have you met Elaine Stretch? I'm like, no, please just beg her. So sure enough, she comes off stage. She was like, J- just have her see you to kind of get the lay of the land. Elaine, right. Elaine, Elaine loved her uh, – her men, she, right. she 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 loved her guys, right? And so, are you standing there with like I, I, out of shirt, covered I, I, I in vaseline? Like like, 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 <gasps> that I, worked for you. And I was I was by myself with a camera, and looking um, sick but adorable. Uh, oh, I was so sick. Oh. And Richard was like, Frank, uh, Elaine, this is Frank. He's going to interview you. And she was like, When? And he was like, can, can we do it right now? She's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. So we, I get in the elevator with her. We go into her room. She was like, why are we doing now? I was like, Elaine, please forgive me. I'm not feeling well. She was like, no, no, stay away. Stay away. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is, you know, a living theater entertainment legend. She's a, she can't she, have she's, she's going to hate me. She can't have my germs. So she goes, give me the microphone. So she grabs the microphone. She's like, stay away from me. And I'm like, Okay, okay. So I set up the tripod and she was like, hold it. She was like, she she starts ordering people, get Frank water, get Frank juice, get Frank food. Frank, what do you need? I'm like, Elena, I am fine. She was like, no, you were go you need orange juice. You need orange juice. And she's like, she's calling, she's like, get him That's orange like juice. That's like Shelby in Steel she, Magnolia. Drink the juice, the- Shelby. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. So she, she, like, she was like, stay away, stay away. Okay. But she was like, but she she was there, so like she was sweet. trying to take care of me. So sweet. So so we finished the interview, and she's like, "Get out." She's like, "You go home, go to bed." She was like, "If you need me to write you a note tomorrow for your boss, I will do that. Just just let them know." It was so sweet, and that 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 was the beginning of our our really our friendship and my love affair with her. I don't know if she was in love with me, but I certainly was in love with her. And the very last in- interview we did. She, they called me up and said it was right around the time her documentary came out mm-hmm. that Alec Baldwin produced. Mm-hmm. She was in town. She was having some surgery. She was living in Michigan at the time. She came back. She was uh, uh, staying at a place on the Upper East Side. She, um, we get to the, we get to the interview and they had set it all up. 
my camera person had set the you know the room up with the chairs and everything and the publicist came down and said elaine doesn't want to do it down here she wants to do it in her bedroom so they brought me up and we got there and she, she made me get in bed with her like yoko and john yeah yeah so we laid in bed together oh and i God. interviewed her you slept the night you slept the with night elaine i stretch. slept with elaine stretch yeah and that we, is... we talked about her pals you know judy garland and ethel merman and she talked to me about, you know, hanging out with JFK, as what one does. A generation yeah. of women no that coward. she was a part of, and all of those luminaries. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. There are a few people. I think of Dominic Dunn, mm -hmm. who is a journalist who has recently passed away, and but wrote for Vanity Fair for many years, covering really high-profile trials. Mm -hmm. But he was someone who had been a, the a film producer and lived a very high life in Hollywood where you know, the 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 Gregory Pecks and, and those people were his buddies. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly he's also a journalist in that world. Truman Capote is kind of an example of someone who is a star in his own right, yeah. wrote about these people um, and was friends with them at the same time. And you are now someone who remarkably has gone from fan to journalist to both at the table as friend and professional. And I'm sure at times that's tricky. Mm -hmm. um, but what a remarkable thing to have earned your place at the table because of your intense knowledge, undeniable passion, and true love for the theater. This idea that you are now able to share it globally mm -hmm. is incredible. But generally, it's still a kind of – it is very hard for most people to get into – they see these shows and the idea that you're making them accessible for everyone. You're like the Joe Pack of of our theater world right now. That's such a compliment, and 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 I don't feel that way, but but uh, thank you. Well, so I much. do. Thank and you I, so much. And and all of us. That's do. All, that's all very kind stuff to say, and and I'm grateful for those you, compliments. But what's your dream now? What do you want to do next? If I can keep doing what I'm doing, telling the stories of these incredible artists that, you know, I've been given access to, who some of them have become my friends, I would be such a happy person if I could do this for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I truly, truly, truly have so much respect for, you know, the talent that it takes to be on Broadway, you know, for, for the dedication these folks have to be on Broadway. It's not easy stuff. Right. It looks fun. It looks seamless. It looks easy. But it's hard. I was just in London. You know, the West End, they put on uh, spectacular shows. But the one thing that, you know, we have here is a community, a Broadway community. Right. And what this community is to New York, what it means to New York, is it goes beyond words. And that is one of the most inspiring things for me to witness, to have had the great fortune of being a part of at different times and has really been a, a, a huge part of why I want to do this, yeah. to keep sharing stories and keep making the Broadway community grow and expand so that more people can be a part of it in that way. It's so great. I love yeah. this. I oh, love what you're doing, Alana. Thank you. Well, I'm so grateful for you. I know that you have 8 million interviews to do yourself, but I just really <laughs> wanted a moment to kind of get a chance to applaud you and share your story with um, with everyone because it's a really remarkable one. And I can't wait to see where your adventures take you. And, and thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be in your presence. Oh, it's my pleasure. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So 
I'm Alana Levine. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review our show in the iTunes show page. Little Known Facts is recorded at the Hangar Studios in New York City.